Chef Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 33 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living bantha Pudu out of it. I am Jose, aka Joxie in the Utiniverse, and I want to know where Masconada got her glasses, because I think those would be pretty cool to have, you know? Just like... I think she got them off those guys in uh, Mos Espa. Oh, yeah. That's probably yeah. the, the, the modders. Yeah, definitely, because that, that one guy had them in the last episode, didn't he? That's he had true. The, yeah, I mean, he had them implanted in his face. Yes. But it's a similar thing. Yeah, well... Um, it took it to the extreme. If you can get me the actual coordinates so that I can then go to Mosaspa and get them, then let me know. <laughs> um, I'm sure that if there's anyone in this planet that knows or can find the coordinates, that would be you. But they may have closed down the business a long, long time ago. They, they may have. And also, Freddy might be a guy. If you watch the recent Legends Look Back where he's playing Star Wars Galaxy uh-huh. and go around loads of famous locations, he probably knows the coordinates right. to Mos Espa. Well, then that will be my homework for the next week. But um, who am I talking to? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Trev, keeper of a timeline pages over at utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media, and I've read over 1,000 Star Wars books and comics. So for anyone joining us for the first time, this is a largely unscripted show where once we've decided on each episode's topic, Jose will do whatever research he needs. I will do as little research as possible. Just to note, well, that's not always true. Sometimes we mix it up. But uh, we could talk about anything Star Wars. Legends, canon, books, TV, comics, TV, video games, even miscellaneous newspaper clippings, and hopefully keep you both entertained and informed over the next hour or so. And, uh, yeah, and for today's topic, you, you know, Trev, you, you did throw me a bit of a curveball <laughs> because we had, uh, we had selected a topic for today, and then last night you're like, hey, what if we do something completely different? Because I was doing research on, on, on this, and then I, I came across this other book, and I'd like to just talk about this one book. Let, let me tell the story. So... We were going to do criminal organizations this week. Yes. Um, we're going to do that on our next episode instead. But as I was, I was doing my research, and obviously regular listeners know my research involves actually reading a lot of books. Yes. So I was reading Smuggler's Guide by Daniel Wallace. And I'm going through it and thinking, this book's good. <laughs> and I was watching, um, I think I had Legends Look Back on in the background. And Jared made a comment about... Uh, there was a legend sort of reference or a, a deep cut pull in something that he'd read recently. And he was like, oh, you know, it's, it's great. We're getting all, we're getting legends mentions. And I'm reading the smuggler's guy going, this is nothing 
but legends mentions <laughs> being recanonized. Yeah. So I messaged Jose and said, um, so I'm, I'm doing this research and I'm reading this book and literally I've got something to talk about on every single page. Mm-hmm. Shall we just do this one book? Yes. So welcome to our very first roundtable uh, book discussion yes. uh, where one read person along. has actually read the book and the other one has not. So uh... no, so so we d- we did the um, a new hope watch along with Heather. Yes, this is kind of like that. Me and Jose both have copies of a book. I have extensive notes. Um, we're gonna scroll through it together. I'm gonna talk about loads of cool stuff. Jose's not gonna know what I'm talking about. He's probably gonna look at the pretty pictures and go, "Tell me what that is." <laughs> and I will be following. Hopefully, along. it'll be a good show. Yes, this is yeah, you know. As uh, as we tend to do a lot in this show, apparently, we just try to do something completely different every time and just hope for the best. Uh, I, th- I think it, I think we lack in we're lacking in structure. We, we like the chaos. Yeah, the, we, we, do, we, we do live in the chaos um, out there in the outer rim. Is it is it rising? <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's, uh, you know, before we actually get into the book then, then let's just uh, pause here for a second and just uh, thank all the people for supporting us either through Patreon subscriptions or getting some of our merch. And if you'd like to help us out as well, you can get our Star Wars inspired merch on utini.com slash merch. And also go to patreon.com slash utini. And when you become a member, not only do you get access to all of our episodes in advance, you will also get a bunch of other utini member exclusives. And coming up, uh, something that I was just uh, working on is that the people over at the Living Force, they actually met for the first time in real life. They've been working together for a couple of years, and they actually just did a couple days... uh, a trip for a couple of days and everything was documented. And so they made a little, or they're putting together a documentary of it that will be a Patreon exclusive, I think. So if you want to go yeah, and watch I that. Yeah, I think um, when they hit the next, um, the next Patreon level, yeah. whatever that may be, that's going to be the Patreon perk. And it looks like those guys had a blast yeah, as well. Yeah, so if you want to go check that out or want to help them make this possible, then definitely go to patreon.com slash utini. And uh, yeah, let's let's see what those guys were actually up to because they they just released a trailer and it looks like they had a, a really good time. It looked like a lot of fun, so it'll be cool to get to see the whole thing. And not only that, if you're one of our listeners who listens on the three month delay and you want to get these episodes early, sign up to Patreon. Yeah, you'll get you'll get even more of us. Yes, even more of our dulcet tones. <laughs> That's right. All right, so. Um... I think that's that covers all the housekeeping stuff that we sometimes remember to do at the beginning, <laughs> um, or I remember to do at the beginning. So let's just get right into it. So, Smuggler's Guide. Smuggler's Guide. That is the book that we're talking about. Yes. So actually, Smuggler's written by Guide, who? Written by Daniel Wallace. Okay. I was I was getting to that. Okay. Written by Daniel Wallace. Published in 2018. Now. Daniel Wallace had been writing Star Wars since 1997. Oh, wow. His first ever um, story was a short story in Adventure Journal 15 called The Great Herdship Heist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's written so many reference books and articles. He wrote the original sort of essential guide to characters and weapons, the essential atlas, the essential chronology, 
loads of other stuff, loads of little short stories. And he also wrote these series of books, which started with The Jedi Path. You've got mm-hmm. The Book of Sith, Imperial Handbook, Bounty Hunter Code. And then you've got two canon versions of the same series, which are Smuggler's Guide and Rebel Files. Oh, so the other ones now, are not canon. Nope. Okay. They're, they're legends. Okay. So there's only two canon ones. Now, these take the format of an in-universe document mm-hmm. that has either been passed around loads of people or, you know, been in vaults, and it's got various annotations by the people who have held this book. So the first one, The Jedi Path, you know, it took the format of sort of a Jedi training book, like mm-hmm. one of the books Ray has at the end of um, Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And Mace has written in it, Ahsoka's written in it, Luke's written in it, Sidious has written in it. And this is kind of the same thing. So this this particular book takes the format of... Um, it's Maz Kanata's logbook mm-hmm. or diary, essentially. She opens the book with an intro. Throughout its um, existence, it's been handed down through loads of smugglers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. We're going to... We're going to go through it page by page. We're not going to stop on every page, but I'll keep you updated as to where we're at. Um, and we're just going to talk about a lot of the fun legends, deep cut pulls that are in there. And then whatever Jose brings to the table as we go through it. Sounds like fun. I mean, yeah, this is a hundred and the whole book is a hundred and... 59 pages so and we're not going to talk about every yeah. single page no but there's there's definitely a good amount i mean i'm just quickly um flipping through it and there's definitely a lot of really interesting things in here so um for those of you that uh you know for all you should definitely go get this book there's a lot of really cool stuff in here so let's you know let's make sure to put a, a link to this book maybe on our on our show notes and share it on discord just because for the pages that we don't get to cover you probably still want to go and see them. So, all right, Trev. So, let's start page two. <laughs> considering start, considering pa- page one is the title page, <laughs> page one is what it's called. So, we're going to start on ta- page two, which is the first page <laughs> with actual text. Yes. Okay. So, page two, you just get an introduction from Maz Kanata. You've got a couple of notes. There's one from Hondo Anaka. There's one from uh, Dexter Jetster. But literally, the very, very first line of this book says from the relic strewn battlefields of Rusan to Takodana. Do you know where Rusan is? I, of course not. Where, where is this? <laughs> I know Takodana, but where is... So, Rusan is the planet where the big battle at the end of the first Darth Bane book and the Jedi vs. Sith comic takes place. Uh, the first Darth, Darth Bane, Bane launches his first his the, huge the mine, thought bomb. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I, I read that yeah. book. That's for Planet Rusan. Okay. So straight away, you know that you're getting some good stuff in this. Yes. You know, they're, they're not messing around. Okay. So on to page uh, three. So Maz Kanata's old, right? She's like a thousand years old. Yeah. Is she older yeah, than Yoda? And, and still looks yeah, and she still looks good. She yeah. puts Yoda to shame. I think it's the glasses. I'll, I'll have some of what she's having. Those glasses. Um, <laughs> but she talks about how like the criminal syndicates have risen to power throughout her thousand year. I like that Wookiee. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she mentions like five main criminal syndicates, which is the Cremora, Black Sun, Crimson Dawn, the Pike Syndicate, and the Huts. Now, this is why I was researching this book 
for the episode we were going to do. Uh-huh. So we're not going to talk about any of that because <laughs> we're going to talk about it all next time. Uh-huh. So lots of the pages have got these handwritten notes on. We're going to see Honda and Aka some more. We're going to see Han. We're even going to see Dr. Everson in this book. But if you go on to page five, we get our first really, really deep pull. So all, all those sequences of numbers that are in there. What, that, what is that? We're, we're gonna we're gonna get to them. <laughs> but there's a hand there's a handwritten note uh-huh. on this page by someone called Gunda Mappin. Okay. Uh huh. I see that. So Gunda Mappin does not look handwritten. First appeared. It, it is a different font. Yeah, that, it's, yeah. It's, obviously it's, they're not handwritten no, yes, no, fresh but, in each. No, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Page or two pages down. Yes. Page two. Yeah, we do have a note there from Hondo, and we have a note there from Dex. The two obviously yes. Yes, not really handwritten. However, the fonts that they use in there, the typefaces they use in there, that that looks like it could be handwritten. Okay. But Gunda here, if you actually write like this, that is ridiculous. Maybe he's just got very neat writing. Yeah, he takes I mean, a long time. you d- you don't even know what you don't even know what species Gunda is. No, it could be a real effort I, for him to write in basic. I have no idea who this person or this. Maybe alien he's is. got a translator droid. In fact, I'm saying he. It's not even a he. It's a she. Okay, she. So yeah, tell me she who she's an Aqualish pirate. Okay, a pirate does not have time to type like this. <laughs> right, the droid did it. Let's assume the <laughs> droid did it for her. Is it a parrot droid? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. That's what I'm going to think in my head. She has a little droid on her shoulder that is shaped like a parrot. A space so, parrot. So she's a, she's a space pirate? So they get a space parrot? <laughs> you ever realize how just, parrot and pirate are kind of like dropped. the same word? <laughs> Shall I let you actually so, talk about the book now? Yeah, so, okay, he, so he's... This Aqualish pirate has got a droid parrot on her shoulder taking notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that's true. Um, yes. That's confirmed. Yes. <laughs> so Gundam Abin first appeared in a West End Games role-playing game source book and you in love 1997. Those, those I love yeah. it. And there's so much <laughs> from here in there. There's yeah. so much. Now, we'll get to see Gunda a bit later on. They get their own entry. Mm-hmm. So I did that awful thing that I never tried to do when I was researching this episode is... I had to go to the work quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, the work says that this person appeared in a short story, Murder in Slush Time. Slush Time? Slush Time. Now, Slush Time is some sort of event on Gamor, you know, where Gamorreans come from. Mm-hmm. And it's it features Callista Ming. Okay. Can you remember who Callista Ming is? I'm going to say that that is someone that Duke dated. Yes, that's one of Luke's <laughs> yes, ex-girlfriends. Yes. She's she's the one trapped in his dead student's body. Right, right, yeah. Okay, yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> so, so apparently, this Aqualish pirate queen, Gundam Appin, appears in this uh, short story. So I read that short story today. Uh-huh. She doesn't. <laughs> she's not in no. it. She is not in it. The work is wrong. Oh, well, did you fix it? I, I'm not a part of a work. I don't know how to do these things. Oh. I, I almost don't want it to be changed. So I can always tell people that I know more than there the work. There you go. There you go. As, as, long, as, that, <laughs> as long as that mistake exists. 
I can be better. That's all you. You are. You're actually in the background, just like writing mistakes all over it, so that you can just be like, <laughs> yeah, no, they're wrong over there. But you're the one who's like messing it. Remember when we used to do fake facts? Mm-hmm. I'm just adding them yeah. to Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> when what I look at whatever we're going to talk about in the next episode, and I add fake facts into Wikipedia. Yeah. No, that's not really happening. I don't think that's really happening. So anyway, this same page uh-huh. of the book, we have what appears to be some sort of random gibberish. Now, these are actually coordinates. Ah. Maz Kanata has r- hidden loads of treasure throughout the galaxy, but she's put all the coordinates are in code. And this sets the framework for the stories that follow. Because very par- various parties are trying to find Maz's hidden treasures. Intriguing. A polynomial cipher, I presume. So straight away, one of the... That's uh, the Master Codebreaker from The Last Jedi. The guy with the funky flower. So he's got loads of like sidebar annotations as you go through. His is one of the later entries, mm-hmm. but he kind of learns off the earlier entries how the code could be broken Mm -hmm. which is quite interesting so there's a big passage of time with this book as well yeah so we're starting um uh we're start we're starting early we're starting way before uh phantom menace i think so we're quite early in the timeline when this book starts do you i mean do these entries or these notes from people i mean it's the assumption that it's there's like the one book right and that it is just sort of like passed from Yeah, one... all these people owned this book at some point. Yeah, but it's the one book, right? So they're writing over yes. each other. Yes. So essentially for let's <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I just let's... I just noticed Lando's comment in here where they're talking about the underworld and they say gamblers, bookmakers, fight fixers, and then Lando added an irresistible gentleman. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you've got to kind of um, suspend your disbelief a little bit in the in the time they owned this book. Each person decided to use it as a diary. Yeah, yeah. and take their own story. That's awesome. Um, so let's go on to page eight. Page eight. So the first owner of this book after Maz yes. is a character called Trifon Leo. Trifon Leo. Okay. Is that now, is that him in was, the picture there? That his is him. He's a. Uh, he's got four arms. Or at he's least like three. blue and he's got four arms. At least I can't three. remember I, the I see three arms. But anyway, so he talks about his time as a spice runner, and one of the things he mentions doing is threading the corkscrew. Now, the corkscrew is the canyon at the end of a Moss Esper pod racing circuit. Oh. You know the one where Anakin busts through the barriers. Mm-hmm. And goes up before the, the, you know, before the flat. Yeah. So, obviously, at some point as a spice runner, he's had to smuggle something on Tatooine, being chased, and go through that that canyon. Okay. Um, he also talks about his dealings with the Mandroxen cartel. Now they're mentioned a couple of times in this book. That's another West End Games pull straight from uh, Galaxy Guide number eleven. Okay. Which is another source book. So he thinks that the coordinates, if we go on to the next page, he thinks that the coordinates, um, he thinks he's just decoded them. So he heads to the planet Pashvi and to a shrine dedicated to the left-handed god Typhogem. The left-handed god. Okay. Yeah. 
Now, this god was mentioned in the Book of the Sith, oh. which Daniel Wallace also wrote. Okay. With Sith priests believing that ancient Sith Lord Ajuntapal, who I know we've discussed briefly before, mm-hmm. was Typhagem, this left-handed god, reincarnated. Okay. Okay? But it gets weirder. <laughs> Way back in 1981, there was a handful of um, Star Wars comics that were only released in the UK. Because we were releasing the... Uh, for Marvel Comics Weekly. Yeah. Whereas they were monthly in America. So there was a lot of padding that came out oh. that only existed over here. Yeah. And Alan Moore, you know, legendary comic writer, mm-hmm. wrote a handful of these very, very weird Star Wars stories. Really? I didn't yeah. know that he also yeah, did some Star Wars. I writing. think he wrote five or six. Oh, and cool. they were they were republished by Dark Horse Comics in the nineties under the subtitle Devil Worlds. You sort of have three of these stories in one single issue comic. Um, they were republished in the Wild Space Omnibus by Dark Horse, and I think they're in the original Marvel Years Epic Collections. But one of these stories, called The Pandora Effect, mentions a left-handed god, and then there's a, like, hyperspace exclusive, back when hyperspace paywall existed on the website, um novella called supernatural encounters that never actually saw the light of day which was going to tie the pandora effect uh the pandora effect into being this the left-handed god mentioned in that comic was going to be uh it makes my brain frazzle even just saying it was going to be tied into this left-handed god typhogen question does that make sense i mean it doesn't make sense to me. My head hurts even no, talking about it. No, <laughs> but I, I love the deep pool there. But I do have a question here. Yes. Is this god actually left-handed or he's just a god of the left, left-handed people? He He's a left-handed god. He's specifically called a left-handed god, not god of left-handedness. <laughs> I guess. Okay. And yeah. is, is that his power? I mean, I, I imagine his power is that he's a god. Because <laughs> that's, you but know... The only thing that sets him apart from other gods is that he's left-handed. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got gods of all sorts of things. Sure. Not everybody can be a god of war or a god yeah, of thunder. Yeah, you have a god you know? of war, god Some of people thunder, have to be god of god of the underworld. He, this, this is like one of those minor gods. It's just, he's just the left-handed. It's like, I, what do you do? I'm left-handed. Ah, Okay. If you um, <laughs> if you ever read um Terry Pratchett books, he does a whole book called Small Gods, where he basically says like there is a god for everything, like <laughs> stubbing your toe when you get out of bed. <laughs> yep, there's a god for that. Are there <laughs> all other... these little things? No, I, no this is actually uh, a slightly more serious question, though. Uh, I mean, within Star Wars um universe, I mean, we don't really hear a lot about gods, though, do we? Like it's, I mean, I'll. It's, Especially within the movies and stuff. I mean, we talk about the Force, and the Force is 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 is, is the Force, um, but there's not really mentions of gods and goddesses at, per se, right? Maybe, maybe not in not in like the galaxy as a whole. There's definitely there, there definitely are examples of. It. I mean, come on, the Ewoks thought three PO was a droid. Um, 
Uh, 3PO was a god. I mean, Sorry. <laughs> he is a droid, yeah. yeah. The Ewoks thought 3PO was a god. So so that's an example. Um, yeah. There is a hell. Obviously, hell yes. is mentioned yes. a lot. Yes. Yep. So hell exists. True. So some form of Christianity must exist in the Star Wars universe. Some something. Um, but I imagine it's quite hard to need a god when Jedi exist. Yeah, but I mean, they, they, it's just no. I mean, it's some something to think about, or something that I'm finding kind of interesting, right? Because they 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 speak of. Uh, the Jedi as a religion, right? Like the, the Jedi lifestyle and everything. They they do kind of refer to it as a religion. Sometimes I think I'm pretty sure. Well, no, I think Han refers to it as a religion. Okay. So I don't think the Jedi call them. Well, no, not themselves, but I feel religion. like that maybe yeah. the universe at large sort of thinks of it as a religion. Um, but what's interesting now you say that is I hadn't made this connection. So I said that you know Sith priests. I mentioned Sith priests. Mm -hmm. If you've got priests, then you do have a religion. True. But they it was the priests that thought that this ancient Sith Lord was the reincarnation of this god. Mm. So at some point, there's a belief among ancient Sith that gods are real. At least, yeah, at the very least, they, they do believe in some sort of deity that... Uh, yeah. Interesting. But it, and then you've got... Obviously, you've got the Yuuzhan Vong of a new Jedi Order. They were big believers in gods. They had... Hundreds of them. Right. So it's really more of like we have no, as far as I know, there's no actual confirmation of the Jedi themselves believing in a deity other than like revering like the force itself. Yeah. And even, even that phrase, I don't think, I think revering the force would almost go against the Jedi code in some way. Mm. You, ac you accept Respecting. it as it is. They don't. Yeah, okay, that might, yeah, that works better. Yeah. Um and I suppose they're quite matter of fact about it because they can use it. Yeah. They can sense it. Yeah. They know it exists. Right. Right. And it's yeah, something Whereas, that surrounds you know, us and binds us and whatever, right? So but, something you know, the wills might be a different story to your to your average Jedi who's never spoke to the wills directly. That might be a different kind of relationship. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, yeah, that that's a that's been an interesting tangent. It's just something to to think about. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like it's it's just interesting, right? Because it's uh uh they the Jedi themselves are so modeled after like monks and and you know, they and like and religion religious figures as we know in our world. But then the, they themselves are not never really talk about a god that they believe in or anything like that. But then the Sith do. So, just some food for thought there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about Jedi and all that mumbo jumbo. No, 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 no. You know, we're not, we're not no, here we're for not. that hokum. No, we're, not. we're here for smugglers. Yeah, smugglers. Okay, so left so, hand of God. The, the next owner of the book after Leo is Dexter Jetster, the Besalisk from Attack of the Clones with the funkiest American graffiti cafe on the planet. So, oh, yeah. From page 11, uh -huh. he finds himself on the planet Athos Klee. And he comes across a mod shop. So this mod shop is run by Crimson Dawn. And they're modifying slave workers. But it's kind of like what we just saw in Book of Boba Fett. Some of them have got shovels for hands. Some of them mm. had their mouths replaced by breath masks. Yeah. Some of them had their eyes removed and replaced or extended to have bigger eyes so they can let in more, more light. 
And then there's a note from Dr. Everson. Mm-hmm. Or Everza- Everzan? Everson. Everson. Claiming credit for the work. <laughs> oh, fantastic. You know, he, he says, not my best work, I confess, but why waste my genius on syndicate money men? You know, so he's being paid to just carve these guys up. Oh, man. Wow. But there's a, there's a couple of instances in this, um, in this book that really resonated based on the last couple of episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Where I'm thinking, you know, this book was written four years ago. Yeah. And they're still mining these concepts. I think Star Wars as a whole has got a real sort of um, slow burn approach these days where things are written, uh, sort of overarching story points are detailed so far in advance of us actually seeing them. Yeah. That that's, you know, I, the story group must already be planning what we're going to see in 2027 and it's going to turn up in some random reference book and then a comic and then a book yeah. and then we'll see it on screen yeah it's just like a slow yeah a slow trickle down of, of information uh so anyway so we're going to go on to page 15 okay so the book is stolen from dexter by tyro vivica mm-hmm. now tyro vivica originates from a short story written by Daniel Wallace, author of this book, from Star Wars Gamer Magazine number one in 2000. Now, this story was called Fair Prey, and it's a sequel to The Herdship Heist, which is Dan Wallace's first ever short story oh, wow. in 1997. Wow, yeah. So he obviously had an opportunity to bring this guy back. Of course. So bear in mind, most of the people in this book are not nice people. So this guy's like, um, he's a hunter, he collects rare animals. And on the very next page we see, and I always struggle with the pronunciation, pronunciation of this word, a Terentatek? <laughs> that sounds correct. <laughs> Terentatek. Sure. Terentatek. Yeah, Terentatek. It sounds weird ever more often you say it. I mean, that's, so, that's, that happens with every word, though. It does. <laughs> um, so these are like ancient Sith beasts that we first see in the Knights of the Old Republic video game. Mm. And there's a whole thing about him um, trying to hunt them down and they try hunting him and, you know, guess what? It doesn't end very well and he doesn't have the book for very long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading here on this page too that there's a comment by from Han and I wonder if he is talking about Kira because he says, this is ringing a bell should probably show it to Nash. He doesn't want to talk to me. See, I looked at this earlier and I thought that's such a like that's such a breadcrumb. But there's nowhere knowing where that leads to. Right. Yeah. Huh. Um, because the first thing I thought was to give it some context. Um, at the end of Dexter's section, he rescues a Rodian from these, uh, you know, these modified yeah. slaves. Now. There's an image of a Rodian, and he's got some sort of um, his snout's been encased in metal. Yeah. And he he can't talk. And they, uh, Dex saves him, and he comes his he says his buddy on Coruscant, and this guy is going to help you know look after this Rodian and uh, you know um, put him through some sort of rehabilitation and try and get him back in society. Uh, so Dex thinks he's done a bit of good. It, you know he's not able to close the whole thing down, but he's he's done the right thing. My first thought was that this 
Rodia might have been the one that ended up in Rebels. Another one that was Ezra's friend. Yeah. The senator who got uh, brain implants and stuff like that. I thought those two might have been connected. So I looked into this and there's, there's no mention of this storyline going any further. Mm-hmm. So this note from Han, like I said, it's a breadcrumb, but it, it doesn't lead anywhere. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe on, on Solo 2, they'll, uh, we'll see some connection to this. It, it it does seem a weird one because it is supposed it does read like we're supposed to know right where where that what that's referring to yeah. but we just don't um so on to page 20, page 20. now hondo anaka is ownership of a book oh, oh. hold on yeah keep you keep going I'm, I'm i'm slowly getting there i'm just looking at all the pretty pictures in between <laughs> <laughs> there are some pretty pictures. I I said that the pretty pictures would trip you up. Well, there's some fun guns and and weapons on page seventeen. So I like drawing. And, and I do um I do skip through the book quite quick. Yeah, no, no. In my, it, in my okay, so I I got to page twenty. All right. Okay, so Hondo Ooh. owns a book now, and it's all written in first person by Hondo, which means you get that sort of um that style of speech that we know him from yeah. from the Clone Wars and everything. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's got. He knows that he's got, you know, possibly the link to Maz Kanata's great treasure. So he arranges for one of his gang to forge the book. So he's going to put a forged copy of the book <laughs> up for auction. Now, there's a, a, a few people who are supposed to be attending the auction. Um, so among the potential buyers are the Rang clan. So that's R A N G, the Rang clan. Mm. So I think we are on. Did, did they uh, call in? Let me just. Yeah, they rang. Yeah. yeah okay. uh, <laughs> so we're on page twenty-five now. Anyway, so the Rang clan first appeared in Dark Disciple. Oh. Okay. And they were also recently mentioned in War of the Bounty Hunters. But they possibly have their origins from the cancelled video game Thirteen Thirteen. Ooh, yes. And then the other, well, one of the other potential buyers is, again, pronunciation is going to kill me with this, the Shri Shush Cartel, mm-hmm. X-R-E-X-U-S. Shri Shush. Yeah. So they are the gang behind the auction of the kidnapped Jedi Padawan in the Darth Maul series from Marvel a few years ago. Wow, okay. <laughs> I have not read that, but <laughs> that that's a good one. That's Is a good it? One. Yeah. You see some real sort of Darth Maul in some rage nice. then. Nice. Um So the next entry on page twenty seven is wait, from wait, 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 wait. Okay. Sorry. Page twenty five. Doctor. Page twenty five, yes. Doctor Afra, yes, yeah. does have notes. She, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like also just looking at all these little notes just to see who has contributed, and it's some like you know you see it's kind of interesting to to see some of these characters in a way kind of like uh, exist within the same book or story. So mm-hmm. you know because we've never seen Afra talk to Han and and Hondo and all. I mean that kind of like stuff is just really it's kind of a cool thing to see. So yeah. Afra, yeah, talks about like con artists or something here. So it's just uh, so whenever I see some interest, you know, some new person here that I do know, I'll just sort of like point it out for anyone who's listening that might be interested in this, just because it's kind of cool to see them all existing together. Anyways, I, I love the quote on um page twenty six as well. Uh, 
suddenly I'm glad I turned down Honda's shack breeding scam in the Condrift, Lando. <laughs> I do like Lando's comments are pretty good, and yeah, and, and his his handwriting is all just you know it's, it's prop very nicely um, like script like it's just good. <laughs> now, but also the last. I was aware. I didn't think there was much life in sort of the Cron Nebula since the Sith launched a supernova there 4,000 years before <laughs> A New Hope and killed all life. So I don't think you're going to breed many shacks in that area of the galaxy. Well, that's... maybe that's why it was a scam. Yeah, yeah, on those. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a scam. <laughs> that's why Lando knew it. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so the next entry on page 27. So this Sorry. is from. Gundam Abin, Gundam. who we spoke about literally right at the beginning. Yes. Now, this is sort of the most blatant short story storytelling in this book. A lot of it is a lot more in-universe. Mm -hmm. This re this one really does read like a story. Um, but it is just about the sort of hunt for Maz's treasure again. Okay. And I don't have much more to say about that particular story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. So, so I'm, there, it's. I mean, and, and there's even more comments here from the Master Codebreaker. So it's just. I mean, yeah. If, if this story is more is more um, connected to Maz's like codes, that that would also just make sense for her, for him. To but it's be. also one of the most. Um, so despite the character being decades old, mm -hmm. West End games pull, the story itself is the most original. Okay, interesting. It, it's not. It's not leaning on. Um, <laughs> any sort of previous previously existing content got it all right Some interesting... and then on page 34, 34. things get a bit weird mm. oh <laughs> yeah so complete change of font what the what is this what is this creature it's like an so, owl bear so this is this is really really interesting to me anyway so Crafting this portion Tarta, is the proliferating horror Yes. So Krastic is a slaver. You know, he goes around enslaving people. Um, he's a he's the Thalassian. So not the Garlia. He is the Thalassian. Okay. That's his species. They're another West End game invention, but they had very few mentions, even in Legends. Maybe three or four times they're mentioned in the 40 years that Legend existed. So even less in canon, you've got this book, and then you've got another mention in Star Wars Commander, which is the discontinued mobile game for your phone. That's it. Is, uh, of all the species to pull from. Is that the species I'm seeing here? Uh, what page are you on? The, yeah, this weird six-armed feathered creature. It's like an owl mixed with a bear uh, with like a with a spider a hoot. It's terrifying. It's so weird looking. <laughs> I can't stop looking. I mean, you were you were saying all this stuff and like I know there's text all around it, but I cannot stop looking at this creature. It's so weird. So anyway, so he's not a particularly nice man, creature, owl beast. Um owl beast. Cuz he, he's a slaver, right? He's, he's even in competition with the Zygerian This slaver, is the slaver? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's in competition with the Zygerians, who you see in Clone Wars and a lot of that material. Now, his ship... You're going to have to bear with me on this one. 
Ah. His ship is called the Arcanian Dawn. Arcanian Thorn. Arcanian Dawn, as in Sunrise. Dawn. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Arcanian Dawn. So, I'm I'm wearing canon right now. So, this ship also exists in Legends. And in Legends, it was also used for slaving. But, Mm. in Legends, the Arcanian Dawn, the ship, was owned by a Celestian called Dawn Arcanian. So, she just turned twistable words around. Oh, she had a real reputation as for brutality. You know, she was a nasty, nasty slaver. But it was all a front because she was actually a member of a rebel alliance who was freeing the slaves oh. that she captured. Even more interesting is that Dawn Arcanian's brother, yes. Darren Arcanian, was a Jedi. And his, his story intersects with that of High Inquisitor... Tremaine and Corwin Shelway, (laughs) who we've spoke about. Like, Corwin's been retconned into being one of a Jedi that is on the Death Star in the interactive VHS board game. Uh huh. And I just can't believe that those links exist. That's insane. So we took the ship name, but completely changed the ownership of it. Yeah. But I was reading this, and I think this might have been the moment where I went. I think we need to cover this book. Yeah, no, that, that's... as soon as I read Arcanian Dawn, I was like, I know that. That's name. amazing. I know what a ship is. So they gave it to a new, you know, the, the ownership changed because they thought, you know, no one would really name a ship after themselves. Then again, <laughs> Lorna D. High Republic. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, she is a particular kind of vainglorious person. <laughs> So there's a another little you know side reference there of like other people that have named ships after themselves <laughs> because why okay, so, not? <laughs> so I'm skipping ahead to page thirty-eight. Thank so I shall let you scroll through and catch up and see if anything oh, catches your eye. Oh, there's more of this drawing of this creature thing. Oh, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? And it's it's done about whole sort of Charles Darwin theory of man, evolution of man Boy. thing. Oi. All right. Wait, what page? Uh, 38. I'm on. Okay. Got it. So the book is now in the hands of a gang who are led by Galandro. Galandro. As boss. Galandro. 30% share. Okay. Yeah. Whoa, so you'll these. see that, you know, he's leaving notes there. He's um, hands commenting on his own notes. Now, Galandro comes from... Well, he's, he's crossed paths with Han Solo before. Galandria. In the 1979 Brian Daly novel, Han Solo Revenge. So Galandro is one of the original expanded universe creations. Whoa, 79. Yeah. Huh. And then he gets a whole uh, later backstory when his daughter turns up in the Young Jedi Knight series. Um, but the Brian Daly uh, Han Solo books are so so well regarded that so much of that has entered into so many characters and stuff have entered into various places like this. Yeah. Uh, there's even, um, I think during the Han Solo segment of this book later on, uh, they jump into light speed and Han calls it the big L. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that came from the Brian Daly Han Solo books as well. Okay. So I'm skipping ahead now to page 45. Where we get our first um, our first annotation by Sana Staros. Oh, 
Yes, I was distracted by the cats. By the cats? Yes. Yep. Ashes and Molly so, and Mixie and Grish and Smokey. So it turns out Santa Staros is a bit of a cat woman as well. I, or crazy cat lady. Well, this is our crazy cats. So I think it's crazy cat lady as in she owns crazy cats. Not that she is yes. a crazy lady that owns cats. So it's not Santa that owns the book at this point. It's uh, Lunu. Mm-hmm. who was Galandro's second-in-command who stole the book off him. Got it. And that's kind of what happens. You know, the book just bounces down from mm-hmm. other people to other people. Yep. That's not definitely what happens in my life with books. So I'm going to skip over a, a few people now. So the book bounces around a few people. Uh, the next owner is Sicatra Vizago, head of a Broken Horn Syndicate. Now, he was in quite a few episodes of Rebels. He's the Deveronium that they used to work with. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, well, if you get to page you fifty-four, you'll see the guy. Yeah, no, I, th- yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he heads to the planet Selot, looking for Maz's treasure. Mm-hmm. Now that planet's featured heavily in the graphic novel pairing of they released these two sort of one-shot graphic novels in two thousand two. One called Django Fett, one called Zam Wessel, which were kind of a two-part story. Um, they were what sixty-four pages each, so twice as long as a normal single-issue comic, or maybe three times once you take adverts out of it. Yeah, yeah. They were like a premium graphic novel format. So that planet is lit- it's literally the only place it ever exists. Okay. So <laughs> the fact that Daniel Wallace went, yeah, that'll do. That'll yeah. do. Yeah, I'll take that one. Oh, my God. I wonder if like when they're putting books like this together, it must be like this huge board on a wall where, you know, just like a like a murder board type of thing or whatever, just like with, with like the red yarn connecting all the things. <laughs> Cause there's so many like pulls on these types of books. I mean, the amount it's of um, reference books and things that Daniel Wallace has written as well. Yeah. He must be able to make these connections so, so quickly wow. between him and Jason Fry. They're responsible for recanonizing so, so much stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I've spoke about uh, the Tales from Vandal book by mm-hmm. uh, Jason Fry. Yes. And yes, that's yes. the one who brings back Dash Rendar and Bollocks and things like that. So oh. you know, these guys love their old school Star Wars. Yeah. And why not bring it back in? Right. So they, yeah, they, they're in canon now. It's just maybe not prime canon yet, but they're, they're there. So I'm on page 58 now. 58, 58. Okay. Oh, hey. Which is a news Pikes. it's a news broadcast from Cynabar's Infranet. Infinet. Uh-huh. So Cynabar's Infinet, as well as many other sort of um pirate news broadcasters like Pirate Radio, this all harkens back to the Adventure Journal. They used to have all these news announcements in there from various different news networks. Mm-hmm. So seeing this stuff in Canon again, honestly it warms my cockles. <laughs> That's I awesome. love that this stuff hasn't been forgotten about. Yeah. So you, you have the Holodeck News, which is like your main, I don't know, state-funded broadcaster almost? Yes. But then you have all these other little stations under the radar releasing... Pirate radio stuff. You know, like... what's really happening in the galaxy. That's awesome. And this particular one, like you said, it's about the Pikes. It's about the Pikes Syndicate as they're trying to, you know, yeah. really consolidate their um, control of the spice trade. Awesome. Okay. Again, we saw that in, you know, Boba Fett. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. A couple goes. of weeks ago. Yeah. 
<laughs> still, still like TBD where it was going to happen there, but definitely a good time to be talking about all of this and getting more information on it. So then the book passes through the hands of the next few pages. We're not going to dwell on these ones too much, but it passes hey, through the hands boss. of Lando, Kira, Val and Beckett, uh, oh. Jabba, until it ends up in the hands of my old favourite, Plato Keith, on page 75. Page 75. Okay, I am... Oh, hey, Fortuna. Okay, I'm there. Plat O'Keefe. So I've, I've spoke about Plat O'Keefe before and I keep threatening to do an entire episode on her because she's never been... I think she's had one mention in an actual adult book in the 30 plus years that she's existed. She's maybe had... been in a couple of short stories, never even like the main character. She almost purely exists in books like this, <laughs> in source books and reference books. So what is but she she's got a whole for? history. What is like what's what's her deal? She's like um, she's like the the good guy's guide to smuggling. Okay. She's the one who says you know uh, you want to check out like Platoki Smuggler's Guide is is a source book from Western Games. She had one of these news networks that we're talking about. Um, no, she's she's a smuggler with a sense of honor. I see. Because you got to remember, when you're smuggling under the empire, yeah, a lot of what you're smuggling is probably really good stuff. Yeah. Because you know you're in a draconian society. Yeah. So not all smugglers are necessarily bad. In that instance, they're probably really good people who just don't want to work for the empire. Yeah, um, I'm seeing a, a little bit of. Yeah, there's a, a picture of her or uh, or her file, her imperial file on page 77 as well. So, yeah, and if you notice who that uh, picture is issued by, it's by the Bureau of Ships and Services. Mm -hmm. Again, that's another West End Games concept. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's made its way back into canon. About you know, <laughs> someone's got. It's like the DVLA for British guys, or what do you guys call it? Where you have to go to get your driving license? Oh, the DMV. Yeah, there you go. It's like that. It's the Star Wars version of that. <laughs> so yeah, name O'Keefe Platt, species human. She's from Brentov 4. Uh, which I think, what's the link with that in Rogue Squadron? It's not where, no, it's not where Baron Fell's from. But there's definitely a, oh, there's a link with a Baron Fell storyline in Rogue Squadron and Brentov 4. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Well, it is definitely a link. That's good <laughs> enough for me, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's another couple of notable mentions within Platt's entry. So she talks about Aurora Transportation. So we are on now, we are on back on page uh, 76. Yeah. So Aurora Transportation. Yeah. So this is a front for the Ten Loss Syndicate. So it might be a crime syndicate, but it's also friendly with the Rebellion. I see that, yeah. This also exists in Legends. We've spoke about these. Because Aurora Transportation is a competitor of Black Sun's legitimate shipping business. Got it. And Zyzer worked to have Aurora kind of taken out of the picture. And that takes place in the Shadows of the Empire and the X-Wing Alliance video game crossover. I do remember. But we spoke about when we did our Shadows of the yeah, Empire yeah, deep, I deep dive. That. I remember that. And the one that really cracks me up on this page uh -huh. is she mentions the droid Gotra. Who's Gotra? We we don't know. The droid Gotra have had so many 
mentions and little tidbits just dropped here and there about them. Oh, really? But we don't know. Without ever showing up. We have no idea who Gotra is, but this is a droid act. They were kind of, a, they were almost one of the first completely original concepts we saw in canon. Uh-huh. They were mentioned really, really early. And they've never made an appearance. Interesting. Um, this is one of my research tasks for the next episode. <laughs> is to find out everything we can find out about the droid Gotra. They were mentioned in... Um, Gotra 7 Was it the season 2 um, first episode of Mandalorian? You know the one when he goes to like, the Gamorrean Fight Club? Yeah. And strings the guy up by the lamppost? Yes. They're mentioned in that episode... Oh really? So, but we have no and, idea what kind of droid they are. Yeah, we we haven't seen enough of them. They've never been a big player in any story that we've had so far. Interesting. But they've had a lot of mentions. Huh. Um, whether um, it could be that they were developed for like the thirteen thirteen or underworld video games that got cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know all that story stuff exists. They just haven't used it yet. But they. They just keep getting dropped in there like breadcrumbs again. Oh. Uh, and we've never, it's never quite come to fruition. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So scrolling forward to page 80. Ooh, oh, there's a, there's a whole bar menu over here on page 78. Oh yeah, there is the bar menu. Yeah, you can get a red dwarf or a Cassandra sunrise, a Nova blaster or a flame out. What would you like, Drev? Now, now, the best thing on uh, the next page, I didn't put this in my notes, I thought about it, but now we're here, we might as well talk about it. So, Platt O'Keefe puts in her entry, uh-huh. that if you go to Chalman's Cantina in Mos Eisley, if you order a Nova Blaster with Savarine brandy swapped for the standard Corellian brandy, that's when they'll let you behind the bar and into their hidden gun closet. Oh, there you go, there you go. Uh, nope. But I was also not, curious not whether any after of these... they changed it. Last I heard, you gotta ask for a Grovian spice ice. There you go. So they they change it on sets. But I'm, I was also curious whether any of these drinks actually existed in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, I've never been there, so I'll have to remember this when I do go. And I wonder what would happen if you went to Galaxy's Edge and ordered. A Nova Blast Ooh. with a Savarine Brandy swap from a Corellian. Oh, my, can you imagine if that's like, that would be so cool. Maybe they're like, we've waited for someone to ask for this for years. <laughs> no one has ever thought about this. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a, yeah, that, yeah. I, I wish we'd done this before Emma went and we could have right. said, will you just ask for this and see what happens? <laughs> Chances are they just stare blankly and go, um, yeah, we don't show Yeah, that. we don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, out of these drinks here, yeah, I mean, I think that I, either a Nova Blaster or a flame out for me because yeah either a brandy or yeah a rye based drink this probably yeah but you're you're literally basing your decisions on color because do you know what a lacrimide is mm. or a meranzani golden zabrak ferment i don't know no but uh, there's a rye <laughs> i know i know i like rye so that's why flame out sounds good i mean flame out says it also has hole stripper now, that can't be good. That's like paint stripper. That can't be good to put in a drink. I mean, if they're putting it in a drink, it must be good. <laughs> it's a strong, then, it's a strong know, drink. 
But that might be a gamma ray and only drink. It might be deadly to humans. You just don't know. <sighs> Fine. The galaxy's I'll go a the one with place. the with garnished with evaporator mushroom. Just How just just that? have That's a nice fun. glass of white wine. It's it's probably safer. Mm, it's not as fun to say. <laughs> have a glass of blue milk. <laughs> uh, I don't need a blue milk mustache. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. <laughs> All right, page eighty. Eighty. Woo. So better than a Plat O'Keefe loses the book. Back to Lando in a game of Pazak, which mm-hmm. is the card game from the Knights of Old Republic video game. And I used to spend hours playing Pazak. Oh, yeah. I loved that game. I did the same with The Witcher as well. I used to play hours playing Gwent. Gwent. Never mind, Gwent never mind the actual video game. I will just play the card game within the video game. Gwent is fun. I, I do play that. <laughs> I like playing Gwent. <laughs> I want to play it in real life. So, yeah. I, I used to own a set. Oh, Somebody really? bought it for me for Christmas one year. That's awesome. I live in the middle of nowhere and none of my friends would ever play mm. it with me. There is an app. Mm. I'm sure there's an app. Maybe. No, there's a standalone PlayStation game. Oh, yeah? But you can play it. Okay. Well, then maybe we should play some Gwent sometime. Yeah, all right, back to that. Star Wars. We'll, we'll edit all this stuff out. We'll edit this stuff out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't do it. It's fine. People like The Witcher. Keep going. Uh, yeah. So, so Lando's got the book mm-hmm. again. Um but he leaves it in a casino, mm-hmm. and Boshek finds it. Who's Boshek? So we are now on page uh, 91. So Boshek is the guy in the Mos Eisley Cantina that introduces QE to Obi-Wan. Oh. He's the spacer dude. Wait, what page are we on? Sorry. Uh, 91. 91. Okay, that's what I thought. I just get <laughs> slowly get in there and get distracted with all the other pictures again. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, aha. Uh-huh. So this is yeah, the so guy. he's the spacer dude that introduces Obi-Wan and Chewie. Got it. He had a few legend stories about him. He's had a few canon stories about him. You think he was in a, from a certain point of view, uh, A New Hope. Now, he's always been a, a racer and a smuggler. He's always been kind of in that element. But in this picture, in this picture on... Page 91. Yes. That looks like one of the bikes they were riding in Book of Boba Fett last week. They do? Yeah, no, it looks like, yeah, those, uh, the, the most Vespas. Yes, yes. It also looks like but a it, 90s sort of like album cover for some rock band. Some prog rock band, yeah. maybe. Like, I don't know, Genesis or something. <laughs> something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it talks about him being a racer. So it says he raced in the Malastare Classic. Now, that could be the course from the episode one racer video game, which is called the Malastare 100. Mm. That could be the same course. Mm-hmm. And he also uh, races in the Dragon Void run. Now, that's from a Han Solo miniseries from Marvel from a few years ago. Okay. I think Boshek was actually based on this entry in that same race at the same time as Han. Because it says it was won by another Corellian, and no no Corellian had won it in a hundred years before that. Oh yeah. I so I think that's where we are in the timeline at this point. I think. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so, it seems like a lot of this is like I mean, new entries are added. It's not like there was like a book necessarily, and and then um, people are just at writing notes. It's they keep yeah. Also it's a, it's a weird concept it. because. Yeah. Like, Maz didn't exactly lose, unless she lost a very large blank book that she's only written in the first couple of pages. Yeah. 
it's more likely to be a data pad though, isn't it? Right. Realistically, right. it's more likely to be a data pad. Something, yeah. And then everyone's like, all right, now I'm going to use this as my journal. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to make some comments on the person that had it before me. <laughs> the book kind of um, ends up returning to Maz somehow. Oh. And she gives it to Chewie. Ah, she does like that, like, that, that, that Wookiee. So, yeah, so on page 95, she kind of goes, you know, how, how does this book come back to me? She even talks about maybe it's for force at work at some point. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, the book needs a stronger hand to carry it, and I know just for Wookiee. And it's not, it's not BK. Yeah, it wasn't BK, no. So she gives it to Han, uh-huh. and uh, Han takes a job. Uh, let me see what page we're on with this now. There we go. We're on page 100 now. Okay. Han takes a job with Big Bungie. Hey, Sanastaros. And Sana leaves an annotation on the, on the side. Yes. Now, Big Bungie is another pull from Brian Daly's Han Solo trilogy. Okay. Specifically, Han Solo at Star's End. And at the end of this page... So, one of the things you can do with ships is uh, fake your transponder ID. Yes. So, you essentially give your ship an alias. Yes. So... That the alias at the bottom of this page, Sunlighter Franchise, is also from Han Solo at Star's End. Okay, so yeah, so the he sets the Falcons transformed to Sunrider, Sunfighter Franchise. Yeah, yeah some, so we. It's a bit of a mouthful. We're, of a we're name. seeing some, we're seeing some more uh, Brian Daly Han Solo trilogy love there. Okay. So then we g- jump through a load of different people. So. We skip through now. Uh, Staros has a book for a bit. Papa Torin from a Lando miniseries. Have you read them? No. Not. So he's... Is he a Toydarian or he's like a Toydarian and he has little fairies, imps that fly around him and translate <laughs> what he's talking about? Anyway, it's really good. Okay. Um, Grackers for Hut from a Poe Dameron comics. And then it ends up back in the hands of Han Solo again, who is fully with the Rebels now. Um, Still on the hunt for Han's treasure, uh, Maz's treasure, but kind of to help the Rebels out. So on page 113. 113, okay. There's a little drawing of a Wookiee here with a scar on his eye, so maybe that is BK. No, that's... um, I'm on the same page. That's Rolam F. Oh, no. Yeah, it does say big there. No. Rob, Rob. But also another gladiator who fought in uh, Gracchus' arena. Okay. Rolam F. Rolam F. Wait, what's what's the name of the Wookiee that talks? <laughs> oh, from Edvia, but I don't know. Rolam <laughs> <laughs> <Like us. laughs> We, we were talking about this before the show. It's 20 years since I read this book. There's just not a like, chance I can remember that guy's name. Like saying his name makes you feel like you do have a speech impediment and this Wookiee has a speech impediment and that is why he's able to speak basic and it's just because it's like Rorom. <laughs> but okay, keep going. 113, I'm there. <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> la- <laughs> um, last paragraph of this page. Mm-hmm. They, they talk about, they're still trying to follow um, Maz's coordinates, still trying to figure it out. Yeah. But he ropes in Lieutenant Imat. Now, Lieutenant Imat first appeared in 
There was a couple of um, junior books that came out as part of the Journey to the Force Awakens series. Mm -hmm. So Smuggler's Run and Moving Target, they both had frame stories that were set just for Force Awakens, and then their main stories occurred during the Rebellion era. And okay. both featured Lieutenant Amat, so it's great to see him get some more, some more attention there. Yeah. And it says he ropes in a pair of Alliance Pathfinders too. Now, Pathfinders are essentially Rebel Alliance Special Forces. Oh, okay. And this, con this concept, again, goes back to the West End Games days. Um, Paige Katarn was one of them. The guys who are with Ham when he's um, attacking the bunker in Return of the Jedi, they're Pathfinders. But more recently, the the assault team that that scene in Rogue One where they all kind of gather around Yavin and say, "Yep, we're with you." They're all Pathfinders. Okay, and and later on in the timeline, Kez Dameron is one of their ranks. So Poe Dameron's dad. Oh, so he's a Pathfinder as well. Okay, so like I said, they are sort of Rebel Alliance special forces. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of uh, in High Republic, the they have the the Wayseekers, so that's a sort of like similar sounding name. Um, so I was yeah, I mean, it up, but the Pathfinders also exists as that kind of concept in the Old Republic era of um, Legends as well. You know, those hyperspace Pathfinders. Mm. Although in in Legends, in sort of four thousand years before Star Wars, it was. It was less about being force sensitive to do it. It was almost like um it was almost like mining. Yeah. You kinda of, you were out there establishing new hyperspace routes and Got it. Yeah, lots of people died. <laughs> it <laughs> seems like a particularly risky business. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we are gonna jump forward a few pages and we're gonna go dark now. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> <laughs> We're going to jump forward to page 124, Jose. 124, 124. Oh, we, we skipped over. Is it? Okay, I don't know who she is. All right, 124. Okay, what is building a better being? What is going on here, dude? This is Dr. Everson's portion. Oh, of... That kind of dark. <laughs> Which is why the pages look like they're soaked in blood. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Okay. I mean, whether we're talking legends or canon, this guy has always been twisted. There's a so, a, a little diagram here on on one twenty five, and it's just him trying to determine like how to put together a, a a being. So it looks like he wants to replace one of the arms with a tentacle. Yeah, so. so that's Pondo Baba, who had his arm chopped off in the cantina. Oh, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's trying to figure out the best kind of arm to give him. Yeah. Because he does all these sort of horrible, psychotic, surgical experiments, but they're not, they're not cyborg experiments. Yeah. He wants to mix body parts. Yeah. So there's, there's like a robot arm in here. And it's like too easy. And then there's a, yeah. there's a furry one. It's a possible allergen. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a sensible person. Um, and then graft resistant for the sort of like, um, just like claw sort of lobster or crab claw thing there. Um, but, but if you go ahead to page 128. To oh, do we see the results? If you go, on, 
so one of the entries is him asking Pondo to basically go and dig him up loads of corpses because that's what he works with. And he he creates this just like hideous, weird creature. And he's like, oh, they've got too many arms. Well, you know, I could take one of I could remove one of the ones from the back. Oh, my. And you could have that one on your stump. Oh, man. (laughs) This is weird. Mm hmm. Yeah, there is. And a... then, literally, on the very next page, 129, yeah. the next person who takes the book over has got it because he shot that thing in the head. And he's like, <laughs> Was that it, its head? I don't know. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, this is, that's a weird part of the book. Okay. So, we're going we're gonna to skip ahead a lot now because a lot of what comes in the sort of last quarter of a book yeah. is purely new content. Yeah, I mean, I see. So it bounces through the hands it. of what, what page are we Doc Onda. So Doc Onda's in it. Afra gets a portion. Yeah, I see the Afra. Crimson Corsair from Force Awakens. It must end up on the Falcon at some point because the Guavian Death Gang have it. Kanji Club, the Master Codebreaker. Kanji Club. So dis- despite the Master Codebreaker making all these notes and paying attention to everything, he still doesn't get Maz's treasure. Duquesne ends up with it, the guy who stole the Falcon off hand. Uh-huh. The Irving boys, Unkar Plutt makes a note, and then it goes back to Han when he's reunited with the Falcon in Force Awakens. Wait, hold on. Who's Magnus the Blood Soaked? Do you know? What page are you on? 139. Uh, oh, oh, you're way... So this was to do with... Uh, uh, Crimson Red. I don't know who he is off the top of my head, but I know that the next page is all about the droid Guttra again. Okay. Okay. And oh, it's yeah, all that. sort of binary code, binary and this is all going to be one of my fun projects to research this week. Yes. All right. So, oh, I see more binary over here. What page am I supposed to be on? Oh, I see Kanji Club in here. Yep. Very good. Oh, here's a code breaker. Okay. 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 I'm here we're we're back to yeah. Here we are. Here I see Han and Chewbacca. So and this sets it during Force Awakens. So he talks about Ray. It'd be good to have her aboard the Falcon. He's not getting any younger, you know. Yeah. It's it's either before or after they hit Takadana and he's offered her a job. But then the last page of this book. The yeah. very last page yeah. is a layer entry. Yep. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. Oh my. Yeah. Oh, hi. Jose, you do you want beautiful. do you want to read this aloud? I mean, I'll, Re- I'll Do you want to read the whole thing out? The whole thing. Sure. Uh this is I mean, it is the last page. So, <clears throat> I I will not do a layer impression if that's what you were hoping for. I already did that <laughs> no. in another episode. You've done that. You, um, you've done that. <laughs> so, Ohan, you beautiful, intractable idiot. Paging through this book is like meeting you all over again. The outlaw braggart, the reluctant rebel. You infuriated me, and you knew it. How many times did I threaten to throw you out of the airlock or dump you on a dead moon? But who other than a stubborn scoundrel like you could have pushed through my carefully crafted shields to reach a heartbroken orphan on the other oh my on the other side. <laughs> yeah, this is this is why are we give you read this? Um I know because I thought it'd be funny. After, it's not funny, it's sad. <laughs> um after Alderaan, I swore I'd never get close to anyone again. 
and there and then there you were with your arrogance and that smirk and yes i'll admit it those tight pants <laughs> oh my God. i never had a chance did i i mean that sounds like a, something carrie fisher would have would have said actually <laughs> so that's that's they got the right tone there um and how do you peg the moment i laid i laid eyes on you an outlaw a troublemaker a reprobate did you know that they saw wait so did you know that they say you can learn a lot about a person by the company they keep if this logbook is any indication i was right all along i know what you'd say to that you tell me that someone's character shouldn't be defined by the their line of work and I'd probably argue with you. I don't have it, even though the proof of your words would be standing right there in front of me. You spent a lifetime running away from your regrets, Han. I see that they started to weigh in, to weigh on you towards the end. And I wish I could talk to you one more time. Trev, I tell you that regrets aren't something to be ashamed of. They're a chance to step back and take stock of your life before moving forward once more. Regrets allow you to see with compassion, to understand that others have made your same mistakes. I know you always wondered, and the answer is no. I never regretted our time together. I loved you, Nerf Herder. I still do. The Falcon. I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> the Falcon. She's she's uh she was ship now, and Ray reminds me so much of you. Not a single credit to her name, but she's got enough guts to take on the galaxy. I'm putting this logbook back into the Falcon where it will keep sailing on. It couldn't ask for better caretakers. So long, Flyboy. Force willing, we'll see each other again. Leia. It's good, right? It's uh, really, really uh, good. It, it it hits you, man. It hits you. <laughs> I, 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 really, I, did, I really did get um, um, goosebumps when she called. And I love you, Nerf Herder. I still do. That was... That was tough. Um, that's good. You did well. That was good. I, I sprung that on you. You and did. You did well. Um, and that is the last page of this book. On the left side of this, <laughs> uh, you see the his dice. Dice. Um, almost. Yeah. Wow. But also, like I said about this story, now you can see it from the beginning. Yeah. And the way it passed through Beckett and Val's hands, you know, before Han even met them, and right how it's gone right through and lando talking about first buying the falcon with l3 and yeah it it's such a great time capsule of a of a book and all the pulls from other material as well yeah this is my brain on a page <laughs> it's like this book was written purely for me this is the stuff i love yeah this is great no, thanks for uh, yeah for I mean this is actually a pretty interesting episode. I th so yeah, thanks man for uh, like changing the the topic last minute, but it was really interesting to go through this, and it's also just having like the visual of flipping through the pages and seeing all the all the drawings and diagrams and pictures, and it's like, it's uh, it's uh, really cool. And I'm sure yeah. there's a hundred and one pulls and references that I didn't pick up on, but oh. I can only talk about the stuff that. I know. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and cross-reference every single word right. on the page because I mean, where would yeah. be the fun in that? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. I mean, this what's what's evident is just that, um, yeah. Even if we haven't seen it yet on the screen, 
they're definitely pulling a lot of things from from legends i mean they do have decades of of stories um worth of stories and and so many characters and so many people that are, have been involved in this and it's cool that they definitely are just like picking it out and bringing it back in and now that this exists in here then obviously it's just a little bit more accessible for any of the future directors of the movies or tv shows to be able to hey like let's use this from this book or you know like i remember just reading about this and and uh this is awesome this is really cool so so yeah like like i said it's been a bit of a different episode so we appreciate you guys sticking with us some of you may have found it a bit drier than normal hopefully you all find it interesting um obviously we don't have a batshit crazy book of a week because <laughs> we've only discussed one book yes <laughs> well you, you you mentioned a few other ones throughout so um but yeah no that's awesome all right well is there anything else you want to want to talk about trev no, I, th- I think uh, I think we've completed the Smuggler's Guide. This is good. No, and <laughs> and this is also good preparation for our next episode on yes uh, on the crime syndicates, right? So this, this is definitely a good way to to get us started in this journey of uh, and let's underworld. just find out exactly who the hell the droid Gotra are. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Let that'll be your homework. Let's see if we find anything else about it by the next episode. If not, or if yes. any of you guys listening to us uh, know anything else about this droid, but yes, please tell me. Let us know. <laughs> uh, and where can you let us know? You can let us know on Discord. That was a good. That's probably the best transition. I've nice. This. So after a year, maybe I just got it. All right. So yeah, join us. <laughs> <laughs> let us know on discord we do have a very active community there sharing their thoughts on the latest episode of whatever show on disney plus reading along to the newest book release selling their books and collectibles and sharing their artwork and fanfic most importantly that is where you can get the latest news and discuss anything star wars archives and if you have not joined just head on over to utini.com discord and click the join now button on that page i will be there and so will trev you can also find me on Twitter at DJoxy and Trev. Where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Davey Todd. Also in our brand new Discord channel specifically for the timeline. There you yes, we go. now have a timeline channel. So we go in, discuss all manner of nerdy stuff. Hey, tell me I'm wrong. I will fix it. We'll discuss it. Ask why things are where they are. It's going to be the most party central channel in the whole Discord. For nerds. <laughs> I was going to say yes. If that's what you call a party, then sure, man. Go ahead. You should see our database channel in Slack. Oh, it goes off. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Trev. And thank you to all of our Patreon members for supporting us and making this show possible. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say radio out. There is no hatred, there is joy, there is no division, there is union, there is no apathy, there is passion, there is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.